In this episode of the Super Basis Roundup podcast, we look at who the podcasters are. We also look at what this podcast will cover, an introduction to the game, and all the latest news on the impact of the coronavirus. That's coming up on the Super Pesis Roundup podcast. Welcome to the first ever episode of the Super Pesis Roundup podcast. Um, I'm Ian Alba, the main host, and joining me, um, as hopefully forever, uh, will be uh, Ron Bronson, uh, Pesis fan um, and uh, uh, American sports fan generally, um, and uh, Mikko Pirhonen, who is uh, all the way over in uh, Finland, uh, has uh, played the game, coached in the game, uh, has a great deal of uh, depth and knowledge, and has even coached in English. So, um, both of you, welcome to the show. It's good to be here. Thank you. It's a privilege. So, um, first off, obviously, a lot of people uh, maybe have uh, clicked on this or have uh, decided to look at it. They don't necessarily know what uh, what this podcast is going to look at. Or what Pespalo is. Um, this podcast is uh, really going to look at um, Pespalo generally, uh, but really focus on uh, the uh, Superpesis, which is the top uh, league in Finland and in reality the uh, professional league in the world. It kind of complements the blog that I do, uh, which is uh, Superpesis Roundup. But uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about what the sport actually is, because a lot of people who are listening maybe don't know what it is. Um, first of all, I, I come at it from a cricketing background, being here in the UK. Ron, uh, you're uh, over in the States. Uh, you come at it from a bit of a baseball um, background. What's, uh, what's your uh, perception on the sport? Perception on, on Pesos in general, you mean, or like for baseball? I mean, so, you know, I got into it, I got into it a bunch of, year, a bunch of years ago. Um, and, and yeah, to me, having watched it for years now and having been to games um, is, is to me, there's, it's, I mean, it's definitely, if you know, it's based on baseball, right? So there's a lot of stuff that there's a baseball fan growing up with the game, you know, watching it and so forth that you can see parallels uh between paces and uh but of course the game is very different right like it's a different different sport with its own energy and its own pace um but as a baseball fan it, it's pretty accessible because i feel like when you really get down to it you can see the you can see the parallels so yeah that's how i come at it and uh Mika, just a, a quick summary uh obviously you've uh, you've got a great deal of depth in it and we'll come on to this uh, in a bit more detail later on um, but just a, a very quick overview. Uh, what is Pesapalo? Okay, I try to be quick. But okay, Pesapalo was basically it was uh, developed from uh, or 
that's a combination of a couple of bat and ball sports uh, out of which uh, baseball played a significant role because the founder of Pesapalo Taco Pihkala spent a lot of time in USA watching baseball games and uh, then there was this other uh, Finnish bat and ball game that they played before that called uh, Pitkapallo, which is translated roughly to long ball in in English, to English and uh, basically Pesapalo was found officially in 1922 so in two years it's a uh, gonna turn a hundred years and uh, <clears throat> it, I think it says something that for example my father's grandfather already played the game so I'm like the fourth generation of like uh, as a player and uh, I, I started Pesapalo as a six-year-old and uh, it's been in my life ever since Fantastic. Well, uh, I'm actually going to come on to you now, and, and I do want to talk a little bit about um, everybody's background, uh, just to help give the listeners and, and viewers um, an idea of who we are and how we got into the sport. Um, Ron, how did you find this otherwise obscure Finnish sport? <laughs> so, um, like I said, like you said, I'm from the States. Uh, I, live in, I live in Portland, Oregon right now, but a bunch of years ago, I did not live here. Um and I actually invented a sport called tennis polo, which people can Google in their spare time. This is not a promo for tennis polo. But in any case, at the time that we were doing that, I did that at a summer camp almost 20 years ago now. And um, we were looking at other sports and how they are, all sports around the world, to see how they were developed and, and how they were made and just to learn about the rules of different games. And during that time, this is like 2005 or so, I came across Pesapalo the first time. I said, they played baseball in Finland? What is this? And I thought it was really cool, but in 2005, there wasn't a, you know, it was definitely nothing online in English, very little video. I just knew this existed and that was it. And I had forgotten about it. And then about five or six years later, found some videos of Paces on, um, on Vimeo, which sort of made me decide, mostly as a joke, to start following the, the league. I was like, oh, this would be funny. I should do that. I should follow this. And I could talk about it at parties. This would be really funny. Um, so I got into it. I started watching games. I picked the, picked the favorite team, which is Vimpoli and Vito. And, uh, and then, yeah, from there, it sort of spawned into this thing that's, you know, is if you just Google anybody who doesn't, you know, who I am, just Google my name and Pesapalo, and then you figure out my journey to this. It's involved me being in embassies and you know, being on TV and being in Finland. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I really love it. I love the country, and I, I really enjoy the game. But, but I definitely come at, as a fan. I'm, you know, so I'm not even a baseball player. Like I, I coach, I coach tennis like for fun. So that's actually my actual, my actual number one sport. But as a fan and spectator, I definitely it's something that's my number one game now. So that's how I arrived here. Well, I I have a very similar story, and I'll, I'll go into it in a, uh, a moment. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm just a fan. I'm not a player. I don't play any sports really. Um, I, just a big fan of the game. Um, but uh, Miko. Um, you obviously have a, a great history of the game. You started playing when you were six, you were saying. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your journey through Pesapalo. Uh Long story short, uh, my playing career went all the way through the junior, like uh, up until the uh, age of 17 or 18, when I turned more or less permanently into the men's men's series and 
I was uh, with my hometown club, uh, Joensu, uh, to as a player when we got promoted to Super Pesis and uh, I played one full year and then because of injuries I basically had to abandon playing and I had to stop my playing career at the age of 23 and uh, but I had been coaching juniors even while I was playing and uh, my club offered me a one-year professional contract as a coach and I decided that I was just I had just finished my psychology studies so I thought that I would give it a shot for one year and uh, then I would go back to real work and uh, 15 years later here we are like so I've been a coach uh, basically all over Finland now and uh, that my last uh, my last job was as a coach in Tampere in Mansepepe and uh, after that uh, last year I was uh, invited to be a coach for the national national team of Nepal and uh, I also did coaching in Bangladesh and uh, a little bit in India and Pesapalo uh, has actually got some like foothold also in there but we'll go back to that later on but just as a just as a quick note and an important one because uh, my Pesapalo friends are in constant contact with me and uh, I know that the situation over there right now is uh, it's like it's like in everywhere else that we live in uncertainty so uh, all of my friends in Asia stay home and stay safe yeah I, I I think that's a message that goes for everybody it's uh, it's a very difficult time if people are listening and don't know what we're talking about um, we're recording this uh, in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic um, and obviously the key thing is to keep safe um, but it's had a, a, a massive impact on on sport globally and we'll talk a little bit about that later what are your other interests Ron coming back to you a moment Oh, um, so I work in tech, um, other interests. I mean, I don't know. Uh, like I said, I, I mean, I work in tech full time, but, uh, also coach, I uh, coach tennis for years. So that's, I've done that for 20 years. Um, it's just like as a hobby. And so, um, that's been, um, probably the biggest, biggest thing. Um, you know, other things you can learn about, but you know, paces has definitely been a fun journey. It's been a fun part of, uh, you know, to have this as part of my life to, you know, learn some finish and, and to, you know, really make it something that's taken on a life of its own. And again, I didn't, didn't plan for it to happen this way. So it's, you know, and it's just beginning really, it's been going on for a while, but the journey is really just beginning still, you know? Yeah. And, and Miko, um, for those of you who don't know you, uh, you're a, a big football final soccer to, um, America. Is that right? Yeah, it's a sport that has actually played a major part in my life. I, I started playing uh, football at the same time that I started to play basketball too. And uh, I played other sports, but football is something that I followed and uh, even got to the point that I actually write about the sport. And uh, I also write about basketball. It's been something that I've done for a couple of years now and actually at this very moment 
I I was supposed to still be in UK, in in Liverpool uh, to be precise to cover their Premier League season, but it was abandoned and uh, plans changed. But but yeah, football and also uh, American football those those both count as like my major interests. Well, um, a little bit about me. I'm uh, a lawyer based here in the UK. Um, I'm a big um, Pespalo fan, obviously started the blog and we're, we're doing this uh, podcast. Um, got into the sport by, well, being, being a bit of a baseball fan, really, just general sports fan and uh, discovered this very much in a similar way to Ron and went, huh? This is crazy. What's this? And as soon as I, I started watching it, I, I really fell in love with the game. And I just thought, there's so much here that I love about baseball, but so much more as well. And that was really what's kept me with the sport. Um, the biggest problem I found, uh, and I'm sure, Ron, you found the same at the beginning, there was nothing out there in English. Nothing at all. Um and there's still not a great deal of content, um, but I'm hoping that uh, as as the community grows, we can start to change that a little bit and grow the game abroad. Yeah, agreed, definitely. I think that that was the biggest barrier at first. I had a lot of Finns who helped me in the beginning, and my finish was even worse than it is now. In the beginning, and so I really had I had a few Finnish folks I'd met online who were really helpful in helping me to make sense of stuff and translate things and, and all of that. I'm pretty good now, but it was in those first couple of years, especially when there was nobody online to talk to about it other than a handful of folks. It was, you know, it was, there was no hashtags. There's no super paces, Twitter account. Like none of those things existed when I got into it. So it was definitely kind of a, kind of a lonely road for a while, but it's great now. Things have gotten way better. Sorry, Mika, you were going to say something? Yeah, I was actually going to add to that, that uh, from my perspective, uh, when I started to make international connections with people who had, who were interested in the game, and especially when I went abroad to and to coach the game, and started that process, um, that actually taught me a lot about the, um, like the how should I put it, how difficult it actually is to create create the terminology of this game in English. Like we can use a lot of words that people have been accustomed to uh, from baseball, cricket or other bat and ball sports. But the, the game itself is like, it's hugely complicated uh, in terms of rules and all the things related to that. And uh, so that's, it's been uh, like, I, I found out that for for example in asia i i had to create i had to like uh come up with some new uh things uh almost on a daily basis because there were no like uh previous cases of how this was done but uh, uh i think we're in a good start and uh this podcast could be a huge help to people uh, for example, in Switzerland and in the Indian subcontinent, where Pesapala has a small but really active base of players. Excellent. Well, we're going to take a very short break um, and then move on to our next topic. 
the introduction to the game itself. Okay, well, welcome back. Um, what is Pesapalo? Let's try and break it down in like really simple terms. Um, I think, Ron, something you mentioned to me the other day, you felt it was like baseball on acid. Or was it you, Miko? I can't, can't recall. I, I think it was uh, a term that a New York Times reporter came up with oh, right. when when, they, when, uh, when he was visiting our all-star game a couple of years ago but anyway yeah well i uh, one of the things that really strikes me is there's there's so many similarities with baseball and it's one of the things i've i've drawn a distinction of on on my blog but you don't have all the sort of time delays the game delays um it's a bat and ball sport at its heart um, but the the pitching is entirely different in baseball. It's you've got a pitcher's mound and it's it's a horizontal pitch uh, to the batter. But in Pesapalo, it's a vertical pitch. Is that right? Yes, and that's uh, that is basically the one key factor that makes this sport uh, completely different from a tactical perspective. Also, because. Uh, uh, once you start playing, it doesn't take long before you hit hit the ball more times than you don't hit it. Like you get contact to the ball, ball whenever you want to, basically. And that changes the perspective of the game uh, dramatically. And uh, also, like, Pesapalo uh, is also a, a duel between the pitcher and the batter. But it's like, uh, from my perspective, it's also uh, a battle between the pitcher and the head coach who usually uses the signal fan that we will probably talk about in the later episodes. But that's one of the key factors, one of the key uh, like differences. But like, I don't, I'm not going to the history of Pesapalo all the way through but uh, just as I wanted, want to mention that Pesapalo also has a background of being like uh, a sport that uh, is also good for military purposes the creator of Pesapalo was like he one of the influences that he had was that Pesapalo can help the soldiers to keep up the essential skills that they would need like when going to war or preparing to go to war and that's like throw, throwing and uh, running and things like that so it has a background from there too um like uh, silent signals like the fan signals knowing like secret codes and things as well um absolutely and and uh, i think ron you'd you'd agree with that yeah, I was going to say two things. One, that the, the signs thing is another thing they have in common with baseball, except in baseball, the signs are, you know, a person does the signs rather than the fan. Um, so you'll have a coach do the sign to whoever. And it's usually for, you know, the batter or maybe one of the runners that they're doing the sign for. 
Um, so that's kind of fascinating. Um, the other thing is, is I was just going to, to Miko's point about, it's like, and Miko, you can, you'll tell us this, this is accurate or not. Isn't it that like, like when you're out or, in, or you get out or uh, wounded, it's wounded and killed, right? Like the language you use, it's not, it's not like outs or whatever else in, in, in a fit baseball or whatever. Baseball, well, is yeah. That right? I mean, uh, in, uh, from the viewpoint of history, that's exactly how it goes. And we're still talking about somebody getting wounded. That is true. But uh, like in the last 20 years or so, we have uh, uh, like, we have scrapped the term to, uh, to be killed or to die, uh, and uh, we're, we're using the term out also in Pasapalo. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting note um, that, that you make there, Ron. And um, there's a distinction, of course, between being wounded and being out. Um, and it, it's one that's, that's really different to a lot of sports. Um, being caught in say cricket or in baseball that's it the, the hitter is out um but in Pesapalo it takes on a whole new meaning it's a wholly different thing um was that something that was a, a bit kind of confusing at first Ron? um you know so the whole thing so for people who don't understand this i mean you probably read a little bit hopefully you did a little bit of homework before you jumped into the podcast but if you didn't that we're talking about here is, is in pace Apollo, obviously the batter can use all three of their strikes to, to hit the ball in play, which obviously is not a thing in baseball, right? Um, maybe closer to cricket, right? Uh, uh, because in a sense that you get like six overs, right? So you get six balls, right? Is that right? Or is it five? <laughs> well, the, there are six balls in an over, but but a, a, bat, a batsman never technically has to run in cricket. They, they can just choose whenever. Um, but it's an interesting right. distinction. You so, well, at least, so at least there's a parallel to that. Baseball has none of this, right? So whenever I have to explain people that you don't have to, in baseball, you would sacrifice a runner. If I want to advance a runner in baseball from first base to second base or second to third, I may send a batter up to sacrifice himself, go up, hit a ball to the deep center field so that runner can advance from second to third. In paces, I don't need to do that, which is really cool. I thought that was really great. Um, so that part wasn't hard. The wounded and out thing was hard at first until you see it. Reading about it doesn't make any sense. You kind of have to see the game to understand. For instance, you watch a game in Pace Apollo and a guy will catch a ball and he'll drop it automatically on purpose so that, you know, like so that guy has uses a, loses a strike. Like as a baseball fan, you see that and you go, why do they just drop it? Well, there's, there's a tactical reason for why you do that. But you kind of need to see that. You can't just read about that because it won't make sense until you see it. Once you see it, it makes sense. You're like, oh, okay, well, I get that now. So, yeah, it was. But at first it was not intuitive until I started seeing games and watching them. I kind of think of it as almost the opposite of the infield fly rule in a way. Exactly what it is. Yep. There was a controversy, actually, I'll point out. Last year, there was a controversy in baseball last year where a guy, it was like the end of the season, and a guy was pitching to get to 200 strikeouts in a season, a pitcher. And so his teammates, knowing he needed this, he wanted to get this record. Maybe it was 300, because that's a, that's a big milestone in baseball. 300 strikeouts. It doesn't happen very much anymore. So his teammates, somebody hit a foul ball that they could have caught. But instead of catching the foul ball, they let it drop, which to me looked like a paces play. I'm like, oh, that's like, it's like faces some us. And so, um, but it was controversial here because they're like, I can't believe that they would do that. And he got a strikeout and it all worked out. But um, anyway, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, it's the opposite of the imply fill fly rule. Exactly what it is. It's hilarious. Um, 
perhaps Miko, you could uh, you could add your take, obviously um, with your experience, um, what it is. Um, what is the difference between being wounded or being caught in that circumstance and being out? Well, uh, shortly, uh, when you catch the ball dire- directly from the air, uh, that is, uh, any runner who is out of base at that very moment has no, uh, we're calling that the runner is not safe anymore. So they have to advance to the next base before the ball gets there. And uh, that, that is the basic thing that the runner has to do. But if the runner is standing on base and it's not the third strike, then nothing, basically nothing happens. And uh, you can, uh, well, the catch, catch itself is like, uh, the rule is so complicated and has so many layers that we would probably need to talk about it in a like a, in a separate separate show <laughs> but but it's like uh, over the sure. years uh, they had uh, some tactical dimensions have been created through the possibility of not being out automatically when the other team catches the ball straight from the air like uh, we we hit the ball high to the outfield on purpose that is if we would speak about the one uh, the most important hit that you need to learn in baseball that would actually be that that you can you can hit the ball deliberately a high ball to the outfield so that the runners can get safely to the next base and then the outfield has to come up with the solution that do they take the ball out and the runners out or do they actually like Ron said drop the ball on purpose which which usually happens so that um, when the outfield teams want runners on all bases and also that sounds crazy from the baseball point of view but uh, it's actually uh, if we had if we take two like shortly we take two options first one you drop the ball and you have runners on all bases or the second one that you catch the ball and you only have a runner for example on third base Uh, if you have runner on all bases then it forces the batting team to come up with something uh, during the next three strikes the next batter but if you only have the runner on third base, he or she, they don't, the runner doesn't have to run. Like they can, they can hit the ball anywhere on the pitch. And if you make one more small mistake anytime, that's pretty much automatically a run. So it creates tactical dimensions and uh, it is being used on purpose. Like, um, not in the smallest junior t- uh, teams and games, but I would say that when we reach teenage and uh, from there afterwards, uh, it is a, it is a tactical weapon weapon uh, most certainly in baseball. And uh, talking about tactics and and um, sometimes wanting more runners on base, 
the layout of the bases seems very alien to what Americans would be familiar with or, or anybody familiar with baseball. Um, and the distances between the bases increases. So, you know, first base is pretty close and then second base is further and so on and so forth. Um, in, um, <clears throat> in American baseball, obviously, you go straight, right, there's first, and you go around in an anticlockwise fashion. In Pesapalo, it kind of zigzags. You go left first. <laughs> um, Ron, did you think that that was, um, again, a, a, a curiosity when you first came across it? Yeah, it was definitely an oddity <clears throat> at first. And, and, um, and, and it, obviously when I, I mean, this is for years I've been showing this game to people. And the first thing they notice, of course, is like, wait, why is third base over there? And you're like, no, that's first base. So like, I'm really confused. And you have to explain, no, it's a zigzag. The bases are further apart. In baseball, everything is 90 feet. The pitcher is 60 feet uh, uh, from um, from um, home plate. It's a little further than that. 60 feet, 6 inches, something like that. Um, but, you know, paces, everything is further away. The pitcher's next door. Yeah, all of that takes a while to explain to people at first. Um, it takes me a good five minutes to get through that. Um, and also the other part we talked about earlier with the strikes. And then from there, it's we can, we can, we can, we're good to go. But, but that is the hardest part to explain at first, for sure. Um, well, hopefully we've we've given the listeners a little taste of of some of the differences between Pesapalo and, and baseball, which, as we've said, is perhaps one of the closer sports that it's like. Um, and I think, Miko, you're absolutely right. There's, there's so much depth here. We're definitely going to have to come back and, and talk through these things in so much more detail uh, in different episodes. But, you know, th- th- this is a great taster for people to just kind of get to grips with the game itself. Um, you mentioned, uh, Miko, before that um, Pespolo is being played in other countries as well. We, we've seen the World Cup last year in uh, Pune in India. Um, and I believe you were out there uh, for the World Cup. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I was there as a head coach of Nepal. And uh, like I said, I was also coaching the Bangladesh national teams. Uh, before that, before the World Cup, and uh, in World Cup, I got to know a lot of new people around the world who were somehow connected with sport. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, like Switzerland, for example, is uh, they had amazing teams and they had amazing people like uh, to uh, joined the team so they created a great atmosphere to all their events and all the games and showed great sportsmanship throughout the tournament and switzerland was actually the runner-up after finland in men's world cup and uh, they played some impressive pesapallo so for example the teams from uh, asia they barely had a chance against switzerland and uh so it's it's been interesting. It's it's quite new uh, in Asia, but I, I truly believe in the possibilities of Pesapalo growing slowly but surely in Asia. And uh, I have also had plans to go back back there to create something uh, like build on top of what we got started, but. But let's see. So it, it is. It was a surprise to me, and uh, it's something that I believe that it has a good, uh, bright future. 
and that's that's the thing you know that if this game can get out there and, and it's all about the exposure to to help grow the game so far it's been this kind of little best kept secret in in finland in many respects uh, certainly my perspective of it is um but hopefully now with more globalization more things being out there in in different languages as well and as you say there's a growth in the the indian subcontinent uh, as well that it'll help you know really grow this sport as a sport in its own right and not just kind of some odd thing that people do in finland yes and uh, so like brief addition to the thing uh, i believe that this growth and i think that we would also go just in uh, like future episodes but i think that it comes down to three things like first first of all getting the kids to play the sport uh, wherever in the world that is so that they learn so that they learn the basics of the sport uh, while they're growing up and it, so that they have the basic skills that we can build on tactically for example when they reach it, their teenage years and uh, the other thing is the quality of coaching and uh, obviously the umpiring and uh, that's one of the key steps that uh, one of the key things that Finland has to be able to produce uh, in the start so that the game can advance and the third and the probably the most difficult one is the equipment because the Pesapalo equipment is uh, even on in like mm. even on European or Western standards it's quite expensive I mean when you uh, when you buy a brand new Pesapalo bat uh, we're talking about 300 euros roughly and uh, it lasts maybe like it depends but it only has a guarantee of one month if you're uh, if you're playing in some actual series like in in the in the highest levels so it's uh, so it's quite expensive and uh, also the glove is 150 euros or more or less so it's like when we go to the Indian subcontinent the fact is that we cannot produce the uh, the amount of equipment that would be needed and also one ball is like 20 euros and uh, it only lasts for uh, like you can hit it a hundred times at most and after that you have to throw it in the trash you cannot use it for anything else than play catch so it's uh, but right now they are they are starting to make their own equipment in India and uh, I actually, for example, I have a leather, uh, I have a baseball, baseball glove made of leather that has been made in India. So uh, that's, they, they came up with some samples in the World Cup and they are starting to make bats out of wood uh, as a start because it's, uh, and that is something that juniors use in Finland too. So it's like, Cheap. I, I believe that these it's baby steps, but we're getting there in the right direction. And uh, finally, obviously, the the key um, for this 
podcast is uh, Superpesis, which is the top uh, division in Finland. And there are currently 14 uh, teams uh, who, who vie for that championship. Ron, you're a big Vimpelli fan. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And uh, obviously one of the other teams, the current reigning championship uh, team is uh, Jonsson Myler. Um, and Miko, that was your, your previous team. But you also mentioned another team, uh, uh, Monza Pepe, who have just been promoted uh, to Superpesis from the second tier. Um, what, what was it like working with, uh, with Monza last year? Because they really um, were cut above the rest of the uh, Urkaspesis, the second division teams, weren't they? Yeah, it was an amazing experience. To be honest, uh, because of the people who were uh, related to the team, and uh, so the atmosphere that we worked in was uh, like there was a lot of stuff happening. That the club was uh, expanding, and they they came they uh, changed the chairman of the club, the president of the club, in the middle of the year. That was uh, as a it was a planned move and uh, but things were like uh, there were all kinds of twists and turns but uh, in the actual uh, playing field uh, we came up with this uh, like uh, peaceful environment and uh, also we had great players and uh, and an amazing spirit uh, that was I, I think that the that was something that separated us and the professionalism of the players, even though they were play, hardly paid anything to play the game. But, but we got there and now uh, Betapala is coming from, uh, it will remain a game of uh, the smaller towns and cities and place, places like Vimpeli, for example, that has... Uh, I'm not sure, but we're talking about four or five thousand people in the whole in the whole village, and and uh, it's and that's that's amazing, and I I love that. But now now we're getting like bigger cities also in Finnish scale that are starting to have uh, close to superpesis level teams, and uh, I think that the future will bring the sport more to the bigger cities like Tampere but now they have a men's team for the first time in 30 years and uh, and that's one of the main reasons I hope that uh, the season would get underway oh sure I, um, there's a lot of uh, hype about uh, Tampere uh, coming up there's a lot of uh, really interesting dynamics uh, between all the teams who are in Super Passes this year um, we've just had the uh, Harley SM, the indoor uh, tournament group stages, and we'll, we'll come on to this in the news section in a moment. Um, but a lot of information that people can get. Um, this The Superpesis website, which is superpesis.fi, uh, it is, of course, all in Finnish. Um, but the blog that I run does try and break some of that information down into English. Um so yeah, hopefully there's going to be a lot more platforms out there in the future that will, you know, get this news out there in English. Um, we're going to take a, a second short break now, 
and we'll be right back uh, to talk about all the latest news in Super Pesis. Okay, and welcome back. So now after the break, we're going to get onto the really grim stuff, the the latest news. Well, nothing's happening in terms of games globally at the moment. Um, just before the break, I was talking about the uh, Holly SM uh, group games, which started in January this year with uh, Jonsson Myler. Um, playing off and beating um, Silignar and Pesis. Um, what well, very convincing win, looked very strong, Yuansu. But it all then came to a grinding halt at the semi-final stage because of the pandemic. Um, we know that across the world, a lot of teams are, are struggling. A lot of teams are in a very precarious position. Miko, that's that's definitely true of of um, Pesis teams, of Pespolo teams, because a lot of the income that they make, tell me if I'm wrong, but it, it's through the ticket sales, through the local sponsors, um, and things like that. So without the games being played, the income really starts to dry up. Is that right? Well, that's one hundred percent true. I mean, uh, for a super Pesis team, uh, it. Okay, it varies through the country, but I would say that they make roughly one-fourth or one-third of their whole income through the gate, like, through the, yeah, from the ticket sales. And, uh, but the major problem will, will also be, uh, working with the companies that support those clubs because the contracts they are often they are tied to some event that is would happen to uh, during the season some game or some player or something like that and they have uh, multiple kinds of deals that have been tied to the events that are in the game or close to the game or like some uh, all kinds of things that uh, clubs will lose their income if the games are are not played that's this like uh, to simplify the thing and uh, right now we're looking uh, at the possibility of uh, the season being started in uh, at the beginning of June and uh, actually now that we're recording this uh, the all the clubs from men's and women's super basis will get together in a couple of days and actually the exact date from my information is on Monday the 13th uh, so the clubs will gather and see the see the latest information and come up with the decision that will they go on as is the plan now so that the games would start at the beginning of june or do they have to postpone that 
and uh, right now listening to the watching the news and listening to the latest information in Finland uh, we are expecting the pandemic to reach its peak in Finland uh, somewhere around uh, mid-April or the start of May so uh, personally I'm not too optimistic about it I mean I hate to be <laughs> the bringer of uh, the bearer of bad news but and it's not news yet but from my point of view there's just no way to start the super uh, that early it, it, w it has to be delayed for at least a month and uh, there, there is a possibility that uh, a part of the season could be played indoors and that is that is also one possibility that they're looking at but uh, from my sources of information uh, the, the possibility of playing without audience without crowd where, without spectators that has been ruled out because it would effectively it would bring most of the costs of uh, the event but <laughs> like almost no income so that that has been rolled out yeah absolutely there's a lot of talk around the world about what games can and can't be played behind closed doors as it were without fans there uh, Pesapalo really doesn't seem like it, it, it's one of those games especially uh, the way that the kind of modeling works in terms of sponsorships, in terms of um, the ticket sales and things like that. Uh, the the economics of the teams at the moment are, are such, tell me if I'm wrong, but there's only one team who's been able to guarantee their players' wages through April, and that was Jonsson Myler. And that's only because they'd been able to secure a lot of early deals uh, in January, I think it was. Well, that's basically that is how it is, and uh, the the players' association and the uh, and the clubs they have sat uh, around the same table a couple of weeks ago and talked about the situation. But there's uh, the the truth is that there's not a lot that can be done because. Uh, there's just no income and that's like uh, mm. the the finances of the superposis teams are um, well how should I put it at best they may reach like zero like not uh, a lot of the teams never make actual profit in their whole like how many no matter how many seasons they spend in superpasses they they hardly ever make any profit in any season the the reality is that if you can uh, if you can uh, like create enough income to provide all the costs that's basically that's a 100% uh, that you can do but right now, in this situation, the, the clubs are, they don't have anything to go by. They don't have any money that is 
that they would have or would be coming from anywhere. So they have no options but to lay out all their stuff, stuff and uh, the players, players too. And uh, as a result, Ron, we've seen a lot of uh, the teams try and come up with what, new ways of uh, both engaging fans while there's no new games being played, but also to try and boost revenues. We've seen like Game Saver shirts. We've seen um, sales of different varieties, auctions of things. Um, do you want to talk us through some of those those kind of things? Why no Vimple Evento? Sorry, just, just actually right now is doing a um, on their Instagram is doing an auction of player jerseys to sell. Um, presumably game worn um jerseys that folks can um buy um and so that's cool i think i know some teams have been selling season tickets that you can sort of buy them anyway support the team and i think more information like that would be great i think it could be really good especially with something like this is to find out like if you start listening to this and you find a team um that the beauty of it as everybody's been saying is that the, the, if you're used to, like, say, American sports or, you know, EPL or something like that, the number the, the numbers that for paces, slipper paces is way lower. So if you want to support a team from far away, like, it, you know, it, it, would, it would, would be great for a team, but it wouldn't cost you very much if you have the wherewithal to do that. Like, I know I'm going to, um, to just, you know, kick some support to one of these teams because the beauty of paces is that it's a community, it's community sport. Um, you know, you see people, all kinds of folks in the community who are involved um, from a really young age all the way through. Um, I think that's one of the beauties of it. And so we want to make sure this game stays alive for, for you know, next the next hundred years. And so I think that as fans of the game, you know, anything we can do to try to support it. Because, again, it's not they're not asking for this isn't the New York Yankees asking you for money. This is nothing like that at all. These are mom and pop shops run by folks who just really enjoy the game. Um, which is, like I said, I think the thing that makes Paces, if you're a global fan of sports and you just want a new thing to get into, the thing that makes Paces awesome is that it's, it's major league in the sense that it's on television and you can watch the games and it's produced professionally and it's got a long history and you've got, you know, these legacy, the good legacy clubs, they're not franchises, clubs that, you know, people support, but it's also definitely very, you know, like. Your heroes are right next to you. They they sit at eat at the same restaurants and you get to hang out with them and stuff. So I think that that's the thing that I want to make sure people know about this game is that it's very accessible. So anyway, I took it a little took it a little out of out of field there, but I wanted to get that out there. No, that's absolutely right, and and it it really hammers home the point that the players are, are you know ordinary people. They're part of a broader community. The community themselves is being hit. So the local businesses they're not able to offer the sponsorship in the same way uh, and they're not able to get the advertising from the games because the games aren't being played which then has a, a double impact on the team and that's perhaps why it's being so uh, so difficult for the uh, the super Pesis teams to to weather through this storm and um, some of the other things that uh, obviously I've, I've been looking at I, I was going to be coming over to uh, Finland in June I'd been invited by Cricket Finland uh, to come and uh, score for some of their uh, games in the World Cup qualifier. Um, but unfortunately, that tournament's no longer taking place at this time, so it's been postponed. And while I was going to be there, I was going to go to um, Huvinka to watch uh, Huvinka and Taco play. Um, and I, was, uh, I think it was going to be a month of Pepe as well, so I was really, really excited to go and watch that. 
And um, the other team I was going to go see play was uh, Corvalon Palonluyat um, in Corvalab. But because I can't go, because I can't see the teams, I, I felt really bad that I, I can't give them the revenue that I would have had in my pocket to give them at the at the gate for my tickets. So I've I've tried to buy stuff from their shops, and um, I, I got my uh, Corvalon T-shirt uh, earlier this week. Really, really good. So I've got that somewhere. I've got a few other things that I want to to buy. I've got a few other things on the way as well from other places. Um, but um, Yuha Putimaki had a, a really interesting idea. He's the pitcher uh, for Jonsson Myler at the moment. He's um, a two-time running pitcher of the year, two-time running player of the year. And um, he had a really interesting idea. I don't know if either of you saw it, but he was offering to buy, I think it was like three tickets for fans at away games, for every away game. So he was effectively helping the revenue streams for his opponents, which run as a... As a, a um, an American sports fan must be really confusing. Can you imagine a Red Sox fan doing that to a Yankees game? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that's un, that's un, that's unheard of. Yeah, like unless it's some really big issue or something, that's pretty unheard of for a, a player to um to do to do something like that. And so I thought that was a really cool. I see, I did see that on Instagram, and that was a really cool gesture. But I think it speaks again to how Pace is a community of people. Um, Miko could talk about this, but players don't, it's not, there's not free agency. Players move because they get a job in a city or they're going to school in a city. It's not the same kind of, uh, you know, it's not, it's competitive, but it's, it's a different kind of, I even going to games and watching, I was at a playoff game, you know, last year in Vimpoli, you know, it's the decisive game the series that we're going to lose. And even then fans, while people obviously cheer for their team, there's no booing. It wasn't, I didn't see a lot of like people even said is like, we don't do, you know, like some fans may do that, but we don't do that. You know, we cheer for our team and that's who we root for. Um, and so it's not the, it doesn't feel like life or death. Sometimes people make, make, make sport feel like life or death. And it's not, especially now we know that, right? Like living in this pandemic, wherever we're around the world, we know that this is just sport. It's just a game. It's not that important in the grand scheme of things. But I think that, uh, yeah, I thought it was really cool that he offered to do that. And it's something that, like I said, I think that um, hopefully other folks are able, you know, fans that I can afford to do that would also chime in and do the same thing. Because, again, you want to keep the game alive. And some of the other reasons to be cheerful during this this lockdown in the season, um, I'm sure I know, Ron, you've been following it, but uh, Antti Harpasolo has been looking at some of the old classic games on his uh, Twitch feed, which has proven really popular. Now, anybody who doesn't understand Finnish, you'll just enjoy the game. You won't understand the commentary. Um, I pick up a few words, obviously, but my, my Finnish, like Ron's, is probably not the best. So, <laughs> But that, that that's had a, a big impact, certainly in the people I know who are uh, interested in Pasapalo. Um, Mikko... How, how's the community in Finland received those uh, broadcasts? Well, I think that's one of the best, uh, like best ideas, to improvise something uh, during the lockdown and while we're waiting for decisions about the games and while we're we're in this situation of uncertainty, it's it is something that has been welcomed uh, with arms. But and uh, also like the teams, uh, they are right now they are forced to improvise uh, in like 
in negative ways also because of the financial situation but they also have to create some new things that i think that they will live on even after the pandemic has been like when we're when we reach the situation that we have this thing under control and uh, the examples that you mentioned uh, like for example the auctions and buying tickets and uh, Yuha has promised that he will uh, for each three tickets that he buys to each game uh, he will like um, give them away through social media before each game which in turn like helps the marketing of the event and uh, I think that it will get uh, other people to join in too and uh, we need a lot of uh, ideas like that they are just small streams but like like Ron said very well that this is first and foremost this is a community sport like uh, it's like I've been born and bred in Yuanzhou which is a town of roughly 70,000 people nowadays so when and it's and it's the biggest in the 100 kilometer radius so it's like uh, uh, i've seen the ups and downs of this club and uh, now that they've reached the peak and they're they have won the championship uh they're the first ever uh to now two times in a row uh it's just it's just amazing uh, to know that you're a part of this kind of community uh, and uh, they also give something back then that is that is something that it's like Ron said that Bimbali is one of the uh, prime examples probably one of the best example of what what it means to the community that if you're born in Bimbali area, there's no way that you can avoid being in touch with Pesapala, and you don't want to. It's like it, it runs through the generations, and that's amazing, and that's why it's, uh, and the and the also the uh, field, the the pitch that is uh, uh, on an island. It's also something that it's like maybe sixty percent of seventy percent of the players would say that it's their favorite. One of their favorite or all the favorite uh, away game of the year, and I, I would say say the same as a player. Uh, it's an amazing place for many reasons, and uh, Finland is full of uh, stories like that, like small communities, and uh, the players are everyday people, just like Ron said. That that's the beauty of the game. Well. I'm going to wrap up the podcast now. I just want to sp say a very special thank you uh, to my co-hosts, uh, Ron Bronson and Mikko Pirhonen. Thank you very much uh, for being with me through this podcast. I hope everybody's enjoyed listening uh, and sticking through. And I hope you all uh, come back again. Uh, please like the uh, podcast and uh, subscribe on whatever channels you subscribe it on. Also, uh, please do visit our, our Twitter handle at at Superpesis R. There's also our blog. It's superpesisroundup.blogspot.com. And uh, we'll see you again real soon. If you've got something
that's hidden far away.